Mac Power Users, Episode 156, Editorial with Federico Vitici. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. And welcome, Federico. Did I do better on the pronunciation the second time around? I hope. Yeah, that was perfect. Okay. Uh, was pretty, I thought it was pretty Anglo. <laughs> I thought it was pretty bad, too. Vitici. Vitici. <laughs> it's really like cappuccino. Yeah. But, yeah. Just a, a variation. It's, like a chi. it's got some chi in there. Yeah, yeah it's a chi. Yeah. <laughs> but that was good, Katie. All right. Thank you. Well, Federico is someone who we've wanted to have on the podcast for the longest time. And this seemed like the perfect opportunity. And we're going to talk about this this new iOS app that has has taken the world by storm. And this is the man who literally wrote the book on it. And we're going to be talking a lot about editorial and kind of the writing experience on the iPad. But be you not dismayed, we have already made Federico promise that he will come back and do a workflows episode. Yeah. So, so this started out as a workflow episode with an emphasis on editorial. And then when we started looking at the outline, we realized that we don't have time for a three-hour podcast. So uh, Federico has agreed to come back. And Federico, I have a bone to pick with you. Okay, so... Okay, let's just start uh, insulting uh, the guests. In, go ahead. In, adi- in addition to, you know, making this wonderful website, Mac Stories, which I love, um, which is the perfect combination, by the way, of, of very detailed reviews and also kind of productivity helps. It, it, you know, I'm very picky about what goes in my RSS feed, but it's Mac Stories is always there, no question. But, but the bone <laughs> I have to pick with you is with your excellent podcast called The Prompt. Okay, so I'm I'm driving down the road, and and my wife has zero interest in the stuff I'm doing as Max Barkey, and you know if I want her to go to sleep, I'll put a podcast on, <laughs> and so we're driving down the road, and I put on the prompt, and she's like, you know, this one's pretty good, and I said, really, <laughs> and she says, I really like that Italian guy's voice. <laughs> And I said, really? I, I'm like, I think I just got emasculated by Federico Vettici. <laughs> so that, so just to be clear, the prompt is the only tech-related podcast my wife will listen to, and mainly because I think of your voice. Uh, that's amazing. Um, I'm really, I'm really happy that people, you know, I, when I was asked to do to do a podcast, I, I, I really had many doubts because uh, because of this accent that I have, that I can, you know, I just can't change it overnight. No, sure. that's but that's an people, automatic one. People seem, yeah, people seem really happy about it, though. And um, so thank you, David. And <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I should continue to. <laughs> yeah, I just think you talk the way I do. Yeah, well, just stay with it. And then, as an added bonus, you do it with the Brit, Mike Curley, and then you've got the Southern guy on there. I don't know how Stephen Hackett got. Yeah, involved. it's really a, a mix of accents <laughs> and and voices. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever you're doing, it's a good show, and uh, you Thank should go you. check it out. And uh, I really am glad you guys got together for that. But the reason we decided to talk today is about this new app called Editorial, and it's it's changing kind of the landscape of automation on on iOS. I mean, it, it means to me a lot more than just a good text editor. It's a ray of sunshine, you know, where we all thought that the iPad and the iPhone are really not going to lend themselves to automation. Now you're seeing some creative developers do things that are getting through Apple's approval process and making our lives easier. And 
this is an app that you can't just say, well, just go try it because it, it is more complicated than that. You do need to kind of get your arms around it to get the full use out of it. So I thought, let's just give it a show and, and explain it for people and, and take a listen to the show. At the end, you may end up going and buying yourself a copy of editorial. I think it's five ninety nine, if memory serves. I think it's four ninety nine. I'm sorry, yeah, it's four ninety nine. Yeah. But it is it is quite remarkable. But so before we get started on the nuts and bolts of editorial, I thought we'd kind of start with kind of a state of the union for writing on the iPad. And Katie and I, we did a show on iOS automation not so long ago. And I've talked a lot on this show over the 156 episodes about how I like to use my iPad in particular for mobile writing, because I'm a very mobile person. I'm with my job. I travel a lot. Um, Sometimes, you know, when you've got several kids and a wife, sometimes on Saturday morning, it makes sense to just get up and go to Starbucks or somewhere where you can sit and work uh, quietly. And uh, so I, I do like to move around a lot. And I've always loved the idea of going into these places with just an iPad and getting real work done. And as a result, I, I write quite a bit on my iPad. I use it particularly with text and, and markdown, you know, plain text. Um, and I'm getting better with the iPad keyboard, but the problem is that there are things you can do on your Mac that you just can't do on an iPad. And, you know, we've got apps like text expander, which granted is on iOS now, but we've also got apps like keyboard maestro and hazel and just some really, you know, even automator, uh, some really powerful automation tools where with a, a few quick keystrokes, you can make all sorts of magic happen. And the trade-off I've always felt with writing on the iPad is you lose a bunch of that. And so it means it takes a little bit longer to make a link and do some other things. But um, the convenience of it to me always seemed like a good trade-off. I don't think I'd want to use it all the time, but I, I do write quite a bit with my iPad. Now, Katie, I don't think you write as much on your iPad. I don't write as much on my iPad. And part of that is because I'm pretty fortunate in that I just kind of have a, a Mac everywhere that I go. You know, I've got this MacBook Air that's nothing to pick up and grab and, and throw in a bag and, and take with me. So that's my preferred writing environment. But I would really like to write more on my iPad. And I think that may change a little bit. My my next iPad is going to be an iPad mini. And I I, I think that's going to change a little bit just because I'm going to have my iPad with me more often. Believe it or not, I, I, I find that I'm not carrying my iPad around as, as much as I had hoped that I would, and I think that's going to change a, a little bit with um, with the with the Mac with the iPad Mini, just because it will be the iPad that this one doesn't quite fit in my purse. You know, it will be the iPad that will fit in my purse, and I can just take it with me wherever I go. And I am very sensitive, and I don't think I think this is only going to get worse with the Mini, but I I don't, I don't think it's going to be any better. I am very sensitive to the keyboard. Um, it's very uncomfortable for me to type on an iPad keyboard. I've got some lingering RSI issues. And, um, you know, I actually find that, um, you know, typing any length of time on the, on the keyboard is, is problematic for me. So I almost always am going to carry around a, an external keyboard. And it's like, boy, by the time you carry on the external keyboard and, and the iPad, you might as well have just grabbed your Mac and gone. Yeah. And, and Federico, you had an experience last year where you found yourself in the hospital a lot. Yeah. And, um, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. That, that was really when I, when I realized that, um, that I needed to to be able to to get work done, even if I didn't have a Mac with me, because uh, it was really un inconvenient to 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 carry around. A, I have a 13 inch MacBook Air, and even if that's really lightweight and portable, uh, it doesn't beat the iPad. 
And uh, last summer, when I, when I found myself in the hospital, uh, I had an iPad 3 uh, with, with the retina display. And um, so I started, I started writing on it uh, a bit more than usual because I, I, was, I was using ByWord and, uh, and the, the poster application for, for WordPress. Yeah. So I really kind of started experimenting, you know, with all these apps to, 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 to publish articles and, and links to my site. And I, and I really, in spite of the, uh, of the environment, we, which wasn't really ideal being in a hospital, but uh, I was actually able to, to get work done. So I thought to myself, you know, maybe this is something that I, that I can do more often. So um, uh, I bought an iPad mini uh, last year. Uh, a 64 gig model with with 3G. So the next uh, the next uh, you know the next visit to the hospital and and the following days that I wasn't at home at my desk with my Mac, uh, I simply took my my iPad Mini with me and I, and um and I and I kept writing and I, and I kept posting to WordPress and eventually I got into the the beta of uh, of editorial. So uh, and that really changed the way that I work from my iPad. And these days. Um, I really rarely write on my Mac, and when I do, uh, I I use Sublime Text, uh, which uh, is a really you know power user oriented text editor. But that really doesn't happen much often anymore because um, I enjoy writing with my iPad Mini, and I have a Logitech tablet keyboard when I when I want to do when I want to write more you know longer pieces. And, uh, Which keyboard is yeah. out of curiosity? Is it the one that folds the, up into the mini or different? No, one? no, it's it's the Bluetooth one uh, with with a uh, with a case, you know, that turns into a stand. Okay. But I bought it. I bought it two years ago, so uh, I don't use the stand anymore. So I just prop up my iPad Mini with the smart cover, and I, and I use the and I use the keyboard uh, connected with Bluetooth, and it's got an Italian layout on the keys. So uh, every uh, every time I, uh, uh, I write on my iPad Mini, I gotta make sure that uh, I've set up the proper option in the iOS settings. So, uh, but after that, it really just works. And uh, and of course, the, the iPad Mini is is really portable and convenient, but the keyboard, the the software one, really isn't ideal for you know reviews. And that took me a couple of hours to write. Yeah, I, I find that I, I actually type better in portrait mode on that one with my thumbs than I do yeah. <laughs> turning it on the side, which mm-hmm. really isn't much of a an endorsement. So Yeah, all, all my all my shorter links that are maybe just a couple of sentences, I just write them in, in portrait mode because it's it's just better for my for my thumbs and you know, and I, I really don't like the, the landscape keyboard. So now when you're so you're sitting up and I don't want to dwell on this. I know you were sick for a while, but you've you've beat that, and that's that's really great. We're all really happy for you on this. <laughs> Thank but, you. But when you were there, you were so you would sit up on like in bed, and you'd work on one of those hospital tables, I would guess, with the keyboard, and then the iPad Mini propped up next to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, I, I couldn't just keep juggling around with the MacBook Air, and then I needed the the power cord, so I I needed to ask to, to the nurse to to make sure that the the the, the wall the whole adapter was working. So it was really a mess. So I asked my mother to, to bring me the, the iPad and, uh, and, uh, and I bought an, an external battery pack to make sure that uh, I would need the, the wall charger as, uh, as, as few times as possible. And so uh, in addition to the crazy amount of battery life, the iPad already has, 
Yeah, you can buy, one of, these, you can yeah. buy one of these little bricks that you just plug in via USB and it charges up your, your device. That's I love yes. that. I have one of those too. And whenever I travel, it's, it's the first thing I pack. Yeah. So Federico, you're writing. It's, it's an interesting story because I'm kind of mixed between the two. I do a lot of writing still on my Mac, but I also do quite a bit of writing on the iPad. Katie's aspiring to write more on her iPad and you're I just, am. you're there. You're just doing most of your writing on your iPad. Yeah. All right. So enter editorial. And uh, so editorial is this $5 app that was um, developed by Oli Zorn. And he's the same guy who did another app called Pythonista, which is uh, very popular. And it's an app that allows you to automate your iPad with Python scripting. And for a lot of people in the audience, that's going to be, you know, they just started shaking their head. What are you talking about? You know, snakes for, and, uh, uh Python is a, is a programming language. It's really a scripting language more than I think I'd say programming language, but it allows you to do a lot of neat tricks if you spend a little time learning it. And I know that now Federico, you don't have a programming background, but you've taught yourself Python, Python over the last year, correct? Yeah. I bought a, I bought a, I bought a book on, on the iBook store. So uh, I read the book and I just started, you know, finding tutorials on, on the internet and reading other people's works and, and scripts. So uh, I'm, I don't call myself a programmer, especially a Python programmer, but I think I understood the basics. So I just kind of went from there. Yeah. And this is the same kind of stuff that like uh, Brett Terpstra drink is using to make some of the great stuff we love in the text expander snippets and some of the other stuff he's doing. And this is within reach of mortals. You don't have to be a you know trained computer programmer to figure this stuff out if you're interested. Uh, Federico, what was the book that you read, if you recall? I mean, uh, did, would you I, recommend it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it was um, one of those that I that I bought in the what's the name of the Inkling store for the, for the iPad. The, there's this service uh, which is called Inkling, I think. The, yeah, Inkling. It's uh, it's really just uh, like an alternative to the iBook store. Yeah. So basically, I I bought this book on on the on the on the web service, um, and it's called uh, Python for Beginners. I can't remember. I'll send you a link for for the show notes. Yeah, great. And, uh, so it was uh, this book on the iPad has got all these interactive elements, so you can see an inline preview uh, of a Python code, and it's really well described and explained by the author. So uh, I read the book and then I started, I think that Gabe Weatherhead and Mac Drifter, uh, he got me into this whole Python scripting on iOS. So he he, he sent me a link to, to this Pythonist app, which I, I didn't know about. And uh, so I started reading his tutorials to, you know, to, to automate a lot of, a lot of tasks with Pythonista on the iPad. And, and then I think... I also started browsing the public Python tag on Pinboard. Yeah. So I saved I saved a lot of tutorials for from other people and and yes, that that was my 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 start and uh and then I got in touch with 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 Ole, the the developer of the app and and that was the the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and and I don't I do ahead, want to Katie. clarify something before people start hitting pause or turning us off and saying, I'm never going to learn Python. I'm never going to do any of this. I, I I don't need to listen any further because I'm done. I just want to clarify. You don't have to know Python. You don't have to know how to code in Python in order to use editorial. 
because there are so, it will walk you through kind of creating simple scripts. And, and I kind of make, you know, you, you can get uber complex or you can get Federico's book or you can get some tutorials or you can download scripts and you can just plug in variables. You don't have to be a Python programmer in order to use some of the power user features of editorial. So I want to make that very clear up front so that people don't run away screaming and say, I don't need to know anything more about this. Yeah, and I, I would I would just add to that that I I understand the rudiments of Python. I've not made any Python scripts in Pythonista or editorial, but what I've done is I've taken advantage of the work that Federico and Gabe Weatherhead over at MacDrifter and some other people have done to just start you know bootlegging these scripts these guys are putting out there and using it to my advantage. So this Katie is absolutely right. In fact. Uh, I'd like to step back and just start talking about editorial a bit as a text editor. And let's forget about all the automation stuff that is the focus of the show for a minute. But before we do that, I'd like to take a minute to talk about our first sponsor today. And that is Squarespace. You know, Squarespace um, is the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. It's a great combination because they have web hosting, plus they have the web platform. So you can you can host your domain there and you can build the domain there. They've got all those great tools and that, that equals bliss in my case. I've had it maxsparky.com on Squarespace for years. And I've really become the uh, Squarespace Johnny Appleseed of the internet because I keep talking to people that need a website and they're like, look, Dave, I don't, you know, I'm not a nerd like you because they think I understand all this stuff. They probably think I can program in Python too. And, and I don't, I don't really, uh, I'm not a pro at building websites. But I'll sit down with a friend for, you know, all of about 10 or 15 minutes just to get them through the rudiments of how to do a Squarespace site and just send them home. And they always come back with a purchased account because it's just so easy. They never thought it would be that easy for them to do it. They've got these beautifully designed templates that that look great, but they're very customizable. And the, the result of that is you don't see two Squarespace sites that look identical, you know, where there's some blogging platforms that have a great template, but then everybody uses that template and you recognize it on the web here, you get to make it your own. Not all Squarespace sites look the same. Uh, they've got amazing support. It's 24 seven. When you send them an email, they write back. I just had an issue recently and I had a response within 10 minutes. Um, it's, it's a design focused company. They make beautiful, beautiful templates. Uh, you can connect your accounts. So if you're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, they just go on and on. You can just create nice little icons on your site that link it right from your website. And it's a responsive design. So once you set up your Squarespace site, it'll show up on your iPad or your iPhone or your Mac It'll look beautiful for each platform. It adjusts to the needs of the platform, the width of the screen size. And it just really makes you look like you're in the present with your web design. I mean, it. it I can't recommend it enough. I use it all the time. I would never move Max Sparky off it because I'm so reliant on them. Uh, they do a great job. Uh, and I would say that they're even democratizing the web because now people who are not pros at building websites are making great websites. More recently, they've added commerce to the site. So now you can start selling products through a Squarespace site as well. So you can go ahead and try it for free. There's no credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, uh, it starts at just $8 a month. So, And it includes a domain name if you sign up for a whole year. And uh, make sure to get 20% off for the uh, if you use the special coupon code for the month of September, which is Katie is Angry. And I made them give us 20% off this month. Yeah, she got angry. Because I got angry. 
Yeah. So check it out. And and last, I'd like to shout out to a listener website. Uh, Peter Volgers has got a really great website. It's pfvolgers.com. He built it using Squarespace. And uh, if you go over there, he's got a really nice gallery. And it does a good job of showing off uh, uh, um, photography and portfolios. So uh, go check it out. He's got artwork, architecture, black and white pictures, people. They look great. And I would never recognize this as a Squarespace site. So it's pfolgers.com. If you've got a cool Squarespace site, share it with us and we'll get it in a future ad spot. Thanks, everybody. And thanks, Squarespace. So... Let's let's talk a little bit basically about editorial as a text editor because I think that's the gateway to editorial. All the Mac Power users, listeners, love text editors on their iPads. We've probably bought dozens of them. We've probably tried dozens of them. And then editorial just kind of you know bonus. It has all these automation features in it that will that we'll talk about later. So you know I think editorial in and of itself, if that's all you use it for, as a text editor. It has some really nice features. It's got a very nice, clean design. It's got a good look and feel. Uh, it syncs with Dropbox. That's kind of one of my beefs against it is it doesn't sync with, with iCloud yet. So I, I, I wish it would do iCloud sync. Um, but it's got built-in spell check. It does autocorrect and auto capitalization. They've got some fonts that you can use, not a ton, but I think it's enough that, that you can customize it. And then they've got, you know, like a light mode and a, a dark mode, to, depending on what you're doing. So I'm I'm pretty happy with the design of, of editorial, you just, know, I, I just would, on the surface. Yeah, I would add to that. I, I think it really shows, and I don't know if you had a lot to do with this, Federico, uh, in the beta process, but there are a lot of little touches in this app that make me smile. Hmm. Like one, one yeah. of them is the text search. You know, usually when you text search, everything's yellow or it just shows you the current one. In this case, the currently selected one is gray, which is what you would expect for something you're going to make an adjustment to. But every other instance appears as yellow. And I thought, yeah. you know, that that took some extra time to implement, and most people aren't going to notice it. But when you see a touch like that, you're like, okay, this guy really wanted to make a great text editor. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree. And uh, another uh, personal, really uh, great touch that that I like um is the fact that Katie, you say that you say that uh, the app doesn't support uh, iCloud Sync, and that's true. But I guess it's because Ole really wanted to support the Dropbox versions, mm -hmm. so you can you can compare two versions of um, multiple versions of of the same file in your Dropbox history. And, and what I really like is that when you when you tap the menu the menu at, at the top of the screen. And, uh, and you access the, the the version browser. You can see the the, the additions and 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 the things that you uh, raised from from a document as uh, green and and red highlights. So you can restore an old version or, or maybe just keep the changes and and keep working on a document. And uh, and and I know well, that let me interrupt you right there, Federico. So let, let's yeah, explain sure. that a little further. So with this application, it actually has a versioning system in it. So yeah. when you save to Dropbox, the prior versions are going to be present when you search it from within the app. I've never <laughs> seen this in a text editor before. I and think that I think that uh, there's only one app uh, that that does this with Dropbox because these are Dropbox versions. So it's not uh, editorial doesn't have its own versioning system. Yeah, Dropbox has a, a as an API for developers to to plug into and and access the, these versions that are stored on the Dropbox uh, accounts. And I think the only app that does this it's called uh, uh, WriteUp, 
which is a text editor for the iPhone and iPad. Uh, uh, I don't know if it received updates recently. I think it was updated several months ago, but I guess it's the only app and, and, uh, that supports versions. And I think that if you if you go take a look on Brett Terpstar's uh, iText editor's webpage. Yes. You know, the I think that you, the chart to end yeah. all charts. <laughs> yeah, you can see that WriteUp is the only one that uh, has a, the little check mark on, uh, on, the, on the versions. I didn't even know it was possible until I got editorial installed. Like, you know, I was in the beta, but I was much later. And I thought there was some kind of dark magic in there. I didn't know how he was pulling it off until I, I found out a little bit more. But, you know, it, it does versioning. So, And it's not just dumb versioning where you replace the document with a prior version of the document. You can actually make a selection and oh, just yeah. pull back a selected piece of it. So if you're writing and like me, you know, sometimes you get a little aggressive with your editing and you say, wait, you know, maybe I should have left that part in there. You can go back to the prior version so long as you do it through Dropbox and and pull it back. I mean, that's a really nice feature. Yeah, and if and if you uh, and if you pay Dropbox uh, for the additional PackRat feature, and that is an extra on on your Dropbox account, and I can't remember the price, but you basically you can extend the versioning to several days. So you, you can when I was writing my editorial review, I started on August first. And uh, three weeks later, I was able to to access uh, an edit that I had made two weeks before, and uh, it was really really amazing. And and it's the kind of feature that that, that you don't get on a Mac. You know, I you know, forgot. Because, uh, and I should have mentioned at the beginning of the show, Federico wrote one of the most epic reviews of a piece of software I've ever seen. It had its own table of contents. <laughs> what what <laughs> yes. was your total word count for the final editorial review? Uh, the 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 version on the website was twenty four thousand words. Wow, wow! And 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 the book version uh, is uh, thirty five thousand words. Yeah, yeah. So so we've wow. got a so he's got a book out as well called uh, it's editorial. Uh, what's the exact name of the book? It's uh, writing on the iPad text automation with editorial. Yes, and it's available in the iBookstore, and it's got a bunch of the great iBookstore. Uh, things and it's got video and rich text. It's really great, and uh, so we'll, we'll link you to that at the end of the 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 um the interview as well. But I got sidetracked. So in the basics, they even have some interesting features. I thought that the sidebar treatment was also very good. Um, you know, little things like folder priority. So if you've got folders in your document list, those always go to the top. Um. Uh, the ability to toggle between looking at a hierarchical structure on your Dropbox versus just the recent documents with a tap. I thought that was a really nice touch. It, it's it's really a nice text editor. If, if you have no intention of ever trying any of the automation stuff we're going to talk about later in the show, it, it's worth it's worth five bucks. The the other thing I thought was interesting, and I've I've only seen a few other apps that have done this, is Editorial has a very custom keyboard. So it's got the standard iOS keyboard, and then it's got this extra row at the top that has some special function keys. And you're going to see things like brackets and parentheses and um, dashes and start, you know, all those things that you would typically use. Um, you know, the p- pound button and indents, things that you would typically use that are important when you're writing markdown. So it has a really good markdown keyboard. And if you're you're using a uh, a, a Bluetooth keyboard, maybe, maybe you don't need those. Maybe you just, you know, hit those commands on your Bluetooth keyboard. But when you're using the Bluetooth keyboard, the regular iOS keyboard, I've noticed, drops down. 
but yet that bar still remains. So you still have access to it, which I thought was was very helpful. And then it has these interesting little Federico, I think you called them um, dog-eared buttons. Yeah. Where yeah, you can the, access even more characters. So uh, yeah, a slash the, the turns into a little... backslash or something like yes. that. Yeah, you get this little pop-up on, on the keys that have a, a corner uh, in, the, in the top right. And, uh, uh, and I think, the, Katie, you mentioned the, the extra uh, remains visible on screen. And I think that's a really nice touch because you still retain access to, to the snippets, which are available as a, as a key to the right of the, of the extra row. So even if you're connected with a Bluetooth keyboard and maybe you don't need all the extra characters because you got them on the on the physical keyboard, you can still tap the, the snippets button to 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 access all the snippets that you put together for editorial. If you don't want to type the abbreviation for the snippet, that is, yeah. I, I'll tell you my favorite feature about that keyboard. I mean, the top row is not unique. There's a lot of text editors that use it. Byword uses a similar thing as well. Um, but... In this application, when you slide your finger across that top command key, it moves the cursor along the line. And I found, so just imagine if you're writing a word, you know, my dog has fleas, you get to the end, and you just put your finger at the very top row and drag it to the left. The cursor will go, you know, from fleas all the way back to my dog. And as you slow down, it's very precise. I found that the the fastest way to place a cursor on a line I'm typing on that I've ever experienced on the iPad. Yeah, yeah, that's get- really that's really inspired by um, a concept video that um, was released last year. I don't know if you guys remember the, yeah. the, the there was a concept on YouTube showing the, this fake application uh, with a with a with a hand uh, dragging a finger on, on the on the main keyboard. And, uh, and so that got really popular and a bunch of, de- of developers, including Olizone, uh started experimenting with the idea. Of course, they, they can let you drag a finger on the iOS keyboard. So they, they came up with this idea of, you know, sliding on, on, on an extra row. And I think that really worked. That works really well. And uh, it's really convenient. Yeah. Do you use it? I use that all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially in portrait mode. Yeah. Because, uh, like I said, when if I if I need to write a longer piece, I just connect my Bluetooth keyboard, so I don't need the the custom dragging gesture. Yeah. And you Did, mentioned the custom snippet button, and that's something that Editorial has a couple of different ways to do snippets built in. First off, they have text expander support, which is helpful. So if you have you know a bunch of snippets already built in text expander, that will sync across from your Mac to text expander for iOS and. Um, it will build upon all those snippets. But then there are editorial snippets um, that you can customize for editorial. And one of the unique things about that is, especially because these may be snippets of code or specialized snippets for editorial, you can set your preferences. But when you start typing the first couple of keys of a snippet, you it will let you choose which which snippet do you want to go ahead and expand. Yeah, you get these little bubbles on top of the of the of the keyboard. So you, if you type maybe the first letter of a, of an abbreviation or maybe just the first two letters, you can either keep you know typing the abbreviation that you know you have already configured to 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 be triggered and expanded in the editor, or you can just tap the bubble and and, and the app will will automatically expand it for you. And uh, and I think that the the big advantage of using uh, the the editorial snippet system as opposed to to the text expander integration, which by the way is great and it works much better than any other app that I've tried to date. 
But if you use the the, the editorial uh, system for the snippets, you get access to all these built-in variables that the app uh, comes with, like, for example, uh, the, the, the currently open URL in the browser or maybe the title of a web page. So you can, you can and it's really similar to, to the way that uh, tokens work on OS X. You get these little blue uh, bubbles that you can mix with plain text. So if you want to build a snippet that contains maybe, hey, today is and the, the current date and time, you can write your own plain text and then just use the variable for, for the date and time. And the app will take care of expanding a snippet like that for you, maybe just by typing two letters. So you save, a, uh, you save quite a bit of time if you, if you set up your own snippets. And I think that, I think that is really convenient, especially when, when you're typing, maybe you, you don't want to spend a lot of time writing all these bits of data and information. And I guess that that could be really useful for you, David, for the you know all the legal stuff that you do, uh, because I remember that you have templates for Byword uh, you posted a while ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I do. You have all these macros to to generate a new document. So I guess you could set up editorial to do that. Yeah, and I and at the end of this um, discussion, I want to talk about where I see editorial fitting for me and Katie and you. Because mm-hmm. there, it's definitely something to discuss. But, uh, you know, I, I, as I as we were talking, I realized I think I put the outline out of order in a bit. Because something that's, I think, key to this whole idea of these expansions is the built-in browser. Where you can go and you can search out a website and it will it will know in the app what your current URL is. So then when you trigger one of these editorial expansions... The code complete. I, I wrote code completion in parentheses because this feels like a programming tool to me more than a text expansion tool, and and it'll go grab that variable. So it, it's really a great way. Like just making links for articles is is really useful. Or maybe yeah, you can yeah. And I don't want to get to to the workflow system right now, but but yes, you can. I guess the only limitation that you have is that you can't open more than one website. In the in the built-in editorial browser, so you ju- you don't have tabs and you don't have multiple pages. You you're forced to to stay with one URL at a time. But it's really a great addition if you if you just you know you're writing or maybe editing your document and you just want to put a link in there without typing or copying and pasting manually. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen many apps that allow you to open more than one page in browsers. I, I think one password would be an exception to that, but I wonder if that's a limitation of of uh, the APIs that Apple provides, or do you know, Federico? Or I think that it comes down to to the fact that developers don't have access to the to the faster engine that Safari has, and I think that especially on the iPad Mini, the system doesn't have much memory. So if even if you open two or three tabs the system would close them and, and force you to reload them every time you, you go back to them. So uh, I use Google Chrome as my main browser on the iPad. And, and every time I open two or three tabs, maybe I switch to, to one of them and then I come back to the original one and, and the browser was forced to you know completely make it a blank page and reload it because it, it didn't have enough uh, memory to, to keep it stored locally. So I guess developers just don't want to go through the effort of building a system that has tabs when the tabs won't keep won't be kept open by the app. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And, and you know, there's some limitations when you, you've built a full, you know, powered, in this case, more than full powered text edit editing application. How far are you expected to go with building a browser at the same time? Yeah, you can expect, I mean, you can expect to to have a, a browser with uh, with all the the features like Safari as as the reading list and 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 it knows how to manage bookmarks and and, and sync. Whereas Google Chrome maybe lets you uh, you know use voice search. So Editorial is really just a basic browser where you can start a Google search or type a URL manually. You can of course bookmark some websites, but it's not as full featured as as Safari or Chrome or maybe iCab on, yeah. on the iPhone on yeah. on the iPhone and iPad. Well, it, it is a really great text editor. So, you know, for getting all the automation stuff, it's a great way to write. Um, it, it supports Dropbox. I think the versioning is super useful. And even though, like Katie says, there's not a, it doesn't give you the whole kitchen sink of fonts and typography. I'm actually kind of in favor of that with these text editors. When I open one and it's got every font that the system can find in it, um, it just feels fiddly to me. I'd much rather have a professional designer for the app pick the three or four fonts that are going to render well with the way the text was, the uh, app was created and just pick among those. I mean, all I really need is a good serif, a good sans serif, and a good fixed width, and I'm happy. Hmm, yeah, I use the, the default one. I think it's... Uh... Adobe's uh, Source Pro. I can't remember yeah. the name. Yeah. yeah, but it comes with maybe uh, 10 or so built-in fonts. And uh, I know that people, some people at least, prefer, you know, to, to be able to, to browse through hundreds of typefaces and weights and, and all the possible variations of these fonts. But uh, like you, uh, I really just want to know what are the, the best four or five ones. And, and uh, I usually tend to stick with the default one because if the developer thought that it was the best choice, maybe it's right. <laughs> so I, I don't have the time to, you know, I'm not a typography expert, so. No, neither uh, am I. I want to I trust other people. <laughs> and, and frankly, I need to, when I'm in these apps, one of the big pluses of writing on the iPad for me is that, you know, it takes over the full screen and it, it really forces you to do nothing but think about those words. So the the less fiddly I get with things like settings, uh, the more likely I am to spend the time productively writing words in there instead of doing other things. So, you know, that, but that's just my own failing, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think uh, that, a, that, a, that a great addition that, that iOS 7 makes in this regard is the fact that uh, do not disturb the, the, the option that you have in the settings yeah. actually works system-wide. So you get no banners, no notifications, uh, even if the device isn't locked. Yeah. So in iOS 6, you only got it muted for a locked device. And in iOS 7, you get all notifications and banners and sound. They just don't appear. So you can just, you know, open your writing app, turn on Do Not Disturb, and, and you won't receive any, you know, any notifications and, and annoyances by other apps. And, and, and I think that's great. I do it all the time. That's another good thing, totally off topic, if you're going to be in a meeting or working with somebody and have your iPad out. Um, it's much better not to have them get notifications when your wife sends you a letter or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, let's talk about, um, I want to get into the more nitty gritty now and talk about some of the automation stuff we can do with it. But before we do that, I w- I'd like to talk about uh, Drobo, who is back as a sponsor of the show. I mean, I'd say they're back in a couple ways. Drobo is not only back sponsoring Mac Power users, which we're thankful for, but they're also back in the consumer space. We recently did an interview with Jeff, and you can see that the company has, has lost its way a little bit, but now they've really come back like gangbusters. They've got a whole new uh, solution. They're really pushing some great products to help consumers manage storage better. And there's a whole new product line, in fact. They've got the um, the three Drobos I'd like to talk about, and we're just going to kind of do an overview with this spot, and we'll be talking about them more in the future, is they've got the Drobo Mini, which is portable protective storage. It, it works. It has four drives in it. Uh, it's got Thunderbolt and USB 3.0, and it's the one you can take with you on the road. It uses the smaller drives. They've got the Drobo 5D now, which is a five-bay uh, drive. It holds the big, the larger size drive. It again has Thunderbolt and USB 3.0. So if you want ultra-high speed, let's say you're doing video or photography, and you want to have a big honking storage, this is the way to go. And then the third one that we're definitely going to be talking about, and the one I'm probably most excited about is this Drobo 5N. It's network storage for the connected home, home office, or small office. And it's got a gigabit Ethernet port in it and a whole bunch of different features. They've got SSD in it, so it can make uh, transfer speeds really fast. They've got, you know, the Drobo apps thing is taking off, and they're going to have some great apps for it. So you can have your own network-attached storage in your home doing all kinds of neat things for you. All of this uses those great underlying Drobo technologies, which allows you to stick any drive in these slots. It does; They don't have to be matched drives. It will always be making copies of your data, uh, redundant storage. So if one of the drives goes back, uh, goes bad, you can just replace it and you won't have lost any data. I mean, I talked about this in a prior show, but I, I had a, the one power surge we ever had in my life here, which ever. I'm going to get an Yeah, we have those about. like every week. Anyway. It fr- it fried out one of my Drovo drives, and I just popped it out and put a new one in, and it did its thing for a couple days, and then I was back in business. It, these are great products, and uh, they really have some some things that are going to be useful to Mac users to deal with storage. I mean, now that we've all got these new Macs that have these smaller SSDs, this reliable storage is more important than ever. We're really glad to have Drovo back. And uh Go check out the website. They've got some really good tools there. They've got the Drobo storage calculator, which will show you which size drives you can get. Like if you put different size drives in your Drobo, how much space you're going to actually get from it. They've got a really nice video there showing the Drobo dashboard and all the things they've done with it. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of, of great stuff there and there's some really great storage products available. So, so go check them out and let us know what your favorite Drobo is and how you're using it, because we're going to be incorporating that into some future ad spots as well. And thanks, Drobo, for coming back onto the show. So, Federico, one of the things, and, and I, I think I told you before the show started, that I spent some time this weekend sitting down and reading your book and learning more about editorial. Because really, bef- before I read it, I, I, I just got started with it, which I think is a good way to get started, and I'd encourage other people to do the same, just really using it as a text editor. But I knew that there was so much more. And one of the first things that you started talking about is this concept of the bookmark bar. And so editorial has this bookmark bar where you can hold, um, you know, kind of like bookmarks in a web browser, hold your frequently accessed websites. This holds kind of your frequently accessed, I mean, I guess I'll call them workflows or or um, 
We'll call them workflows or triggers. Well, that, no, that's that just that. To. You can access documents too. I yeah. mean, it's. Well, whatever you want to access, it can. Yeah. Yeah. And then they've got custom icons that you can use. So uh, what do you use the bookmark bar for? What do you put in it? Because it, it's very customizable. Yeah. Um, primarily for workflows. So I can just, you know, instead of opening the, the workflow popover in, in the top right, I can just bookmark my m- most used workflows and uh, I can just tap them in, in, the, in, the, in the bookmark bar and, uh, and launch them. And uh, I have a couple of bookmarks for uh, documents that I keep in Dropbox. I have a, a scratchpad file where I store all sorts of, you know, notes and, and URLs and stuff that I, that I want to, you know, check out later. And, uh, but otherwise, um, yeah, I primarily use it for workflows and, uh, I use the custom icons. So, you know, I, I took uh, a few minutes to, to fiddle with the, with the icons menu to come up with, with an, with a nice setup that, uh, that I like visually. And, um, and yes, um, I think that's, that's a great way to, 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 you know, save time, uh, finding, the workflow that, that you want to launch, especially if you're going to spend time with the tutorial and coming up with all sorts of workflows. So maybe you have 20 or 30 workflows and, and, and eventually you get to the point where you, you have to remember the workflow that you want to launch. So I guess it's much better to, to just bookmark the ones that, that you know you will access the most and, and, and tap them and, and they, will, they, they will execute and, and you'll have saved time. Yeah, so... So the, it, I equate it to kind of like a bookmarks bar in your browser, you know, yeah. where in your browser, you can go to frequently access websites and this application. And this is another feature that I don't think I've ever seen in a text editor. It, it's frequently used somethings. It could be a document on Dropbox. It could be one of these workflows we're about to describe, but all the stuff you use most often, you can put up there like kind of in a favorites bar. And like Federico was saying, you can attach them to nice little cute icons. So if you spend a little time on it, it becomes a very personal experience in this in this text editor. Yeah, the the way I like to do it is to uh, use a custom icon. So you can choose uh, f- between a set of I think it's ninety icons, uh, and they're really nice and, and they look good. Uh, but I also like to to keep a different name for a bookmark than the name of the original workflow. So for instance, if I have a workflow that is called uh, insert inline link. So if I put that in the bookmark bar, I get a really long name. Uh, so I want to save time. So I give it a custom icon. So I, I know that the, the, the bookmark item with the chain is, is related to links. So instead of using the, the full name, I just use links. So I get the a bookmark to, to the original workflow, which has a longer name, but in, in the bookmarks bar, it gets a shorter name and the custom icon. So I can put many bookmarks in there and, uh, and I, I can still associate them with, with the original workflow. So I can remember what, what I'm about to launch, but at the same time, I can save space in the bookmark, in the bookmark bar, which is kind of limited, especially if you're going to use editorial in portrait mode. So you can't, uh, of course, you can add as many bookmarks bookmarks that, uh, that you want but you're if you add too many you're gonna have to to open a separate window to 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 launch them so i prefer to use shorter names and custom icons and, and i think that's a good way to go yeah yeah that's one of the tricks i got out of your book was the idea that you name the bookmarks with a shorter name than the actual mm-hmm. workflow 
It's a great idea. Um, yeah, like, I mean, for footnotes, I, I have three footnote uh, workflows. And uh, I use the same custom icons for, for all of those. So I know that those three that are grouped together in the bar, they are related to, to the footnote stuff. But I also, uh, instead of using the full name, like uh, find footnote or maybe new footnote and add text to the footnote, I use uh, three characters. I use a, 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 car a carrot, I use a, a plus, and I use a, an F for find. So yeah. I have these three little bubbles for, for the footnote stuff, and I know what, what they are about. But at the same time, I, I don't use like 200 pixels on the bar to, to, for these three bookmarks. All right. I, I would like to talk about workflows now. I think we've been beating around the bush too long on this. So so this is something that makes editorial truly special. And going back to the beginning of the show, when I was talking about Oli's experience with Pythonista, um, he, he created a text editor that has the same idea of user ability to program. And it doesn't just require Python. You can do it with these nice little modules. It reminds me a lot of Automator, and I suspect that was probably the inspiration for him, where you can make these stacks of, of, of tasks you can have your text editor do, and, and then at the end you call it a workflow. And you collect these groups of workflows, and just by tapping a key or putting it in your bookmark, you can fire it off. I mean, they've got workflows as simple as giving you a word count, and then they've got others that are much more complicated that allow you to go pull links off websites and build links in your website. It does all those things that I was talking about at the beginning of the show that are vexing on writing on iOS because there's no simple way to do them. Is that a good way to summarize it, you guys? You think did I hit it? Yeah, that, that that's a great summary. Uh, I would only add that m the thing that you have to keep in mind is that uh, like Automator or Keyboard Maestro maybe on the Mac, you have to to add all these modules and and actions uh, they are called in editorial you have to to remember that they will be run uh, sequentially from top to bottom so you have to to keep in mind that they are all executed one after the other so that's just a, a good tip to to get started so maybe people are going to get confused uh, by by the vertical layout of the of the workflow editor but once you you understand that actions are simply uh, steps that you that you that the app takes one after the other that's going to that's going to make sense yeah so it's a computer and computers aren't very smart they do things in the exact yeah. way you tell them to do them so you can't um you know, you can't have it start mixing the eggs before you tell it to scramble the, or, or to, to crack the eggs, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it works the same way. You've got to set up these workflows in a logical progression. But because there's so many built in, I find it, it wasn't that difficult to pick up on this stuff, even though I am uh, pretty incompetent when it comes to things like Python. Uh, yeah, the, the great thing, uh, I think it is that... Um, you can, of course, uh, use Python scripts and, and custom actions that are powered by Python, but you don't have to because the app comes with uh, over 50 actions that don't require any sort of scripting because they are all visual. So you just have to maybe play with menus and maybe you have to, to select a checkbox or, or, of course, you can give them a custom name, but you don't, have, you don't see any Python. Uh, yeah. with, 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 with the built-in actions that are just little modules that you drag up and down in the editor and, and you create a workflow. 
And and this is and this is this where is, I kind of find it akin to keyboard maestro. You know, if you if you want to use just the built-in actions that they've given you or that you've downloaded from other people, you've got all the building blocks right there, and you just stick them and put them in the order that you need to 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 execute the steps that you want to to execute. And these are really extensive. Um, so you know, I'm looking through it right now. They've got easy things like find and replace. So let's say you build a document, a text document that you use repeatedly, but you've got find and replace uh, phrases in it. You could put that in as a workflow, and and it would do that for you right out of your your bookmark bar. Uh, filters, uh, ways to remove duplicates, ways to adjust case. You can do math sound effects. You can change the clipboard. I mean, there's just so many things you can do in here without knowing a lick of programming. You just drag them onto the screen. I don't know, Katie, for me, I, you keep saying keyboard maestro, but for me, it's, it's, this is all automator. It just feels so much like automator. Okay. That, that, that works too. Um, it can generate text with variables filled in as input to the next action. So you can create text with this thing. Um, wow. It's just, this is a. I'm having too much fun with this app. Uh, it doesn't seem right that I'm doing all this with a text editor. What, what, I think uh, I'm sorry, David. Uh, I would only add that the the great the great thing is is when you figure out that with the app you can uh, skip over Apple's uh, design for some things on iOS. So, for instance, it's really annoying on if you're gonna write on the iPad every day. And every time you want to select and, and copy a sentence to the clipboard, you have to, you know, bring up the, the iOS selection tool and, and, and drag it around and make sure that, you're, that you have selected the, the, the line of the text that you want to copy and then hit the, hit the copy button in, in the pop-up menu. Whereas with editorial, you can build a workflow that automatically selects the current line and copies it and you don't... You don't do anything else besides hitting the, the, the workflow button and you don't see any menu. You don't do any selection yourself. You, you just let the app automate this aspect of, of, of OIS. And I think that's great. I mean, some of this stuff, I said this, we talked to Jason Snell last week and kind of teased the show a little bit. And these workflows are, are things now that I find when I'm writing on my Mac, I wish I had access to some of my workflows. And I've, I've never had that experience of before of writing on the Mac saying, man, I really wish I had this feature from one of my iPad text editors. I never even thought I would have that experience. I think that a lot of people are hoping that Ole will, will make a Mac version of, of a tutorial, but I guess that it is not planning on it right now. I think that the iPhone version will be, will be the next one. Sure. I'm actually playing right now with, with, a, with, a, with a, the next update to, to the tutorial on the iPad. And of course, he's he's putting a lot of you know crazy things in it, and uh, yeah, I think he is is uh, he doesn't want to 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 go to the Mac right now. He's really focused on 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 making this great on iOS, and I think especially on the iPhone, it will be. I, I have no idea how how the iPhone version is, but I think that it it will be maybe even crazier than the iPad the, the iPad app because. The iPhone is so small that the screen is so, you know, it's really smaller than the iPad. And yeah. I have no idea how you're going to do workflows and scripts on an iPhone. It, it just, like you say, it doesn't seem fair. Yeah. I, I guess my question, David, to you about that is my initial thought was the same as that. Gosh, you know, this is nice. And with the sync, it'd be really nice if they had a version 
for the Mac. And then the more I kind of thought about it, what would you do with a Mac version of editorial that you you can't do? Because really, these are, these are just text files that are, that are sitting in Dropbox that you can open with with any iOS text editor, and then you know run your same your same Mac tools on that. I mean, I guess you know taking some of these custom scripts and and running the the find and replace actions or things like that. But but a lot of the existing iOS text editors on the Mac already have some of these features built in. Yeah, I guess the difference is if you had the workflows built, you could use them everywhere and you'd get that unified experience. And that's that's one of the reasons why I still use Byword quite a bit, which we're gonna, I'm I'm kind of teasing what we're going to talk about later. But I, I do think it would be nice to have a, a unified experience of this throughout the platforms. But, you know, you take what you can get right now. We need we needed a really good, powerful iOS text editor, particularly on the iPad. In my experience, I write a lot more on the iPad than the iPhone. So I think the developer did the right thing. He went to the place where there was a need. Um, Federico, tell us a little bit, uh, you know, some of the good, basic representative workflows. If, if someone was listening to the show and and wanted an idea of something they could build with these tools, what, what are some good, basic ones you would recommend people to pick up on? Sure. Uh, the one that I use the most every day uh, so I tend to to write an article and then add uh, the formatting and and links uh, in Markdown. So after uh, I have my article ready, um, I go through to the text, and every time I, I find a word that I want to to link to 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 a web page or a website, I I have this workflow that lets me select a word or maybe multiple words at once, and uh, I hit a button in, in my bookmarks bar and and uh, and it fires off a Google search for the selection. So for instance, if I want to, to add a link to David Sparks uh, in, in my document, I just select David Sparks and I, I hit the workflow button and it takes me to Google where I can open Max Sparky and another link to, to my document. And uh, the second one, I guess, is the one to, and it's more advanced. Uh, to, well, well to let's stop right there for a minute then. So tell us, okay. how did you build that workflow? Oh sure. Um, so let let me see it because I have my editorial right here. Uh, so of course you can. I guess the first step is to add the action to to get the currently selected text. So editorial has this uh, selected text action, which uh, passes to to the following action the 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 input, which is the selected text. So the so, first Lego brick you pull in is selected. Get selected yeah. text. Make sure that you have selected text. Yeah. So, and it's really it's really simple because the, there are two following blocks in the workflow. So, a block in editorial is basically also it's also known as a conditional block. So, if a condition is true or false or maybe is equal to something else, run actions inside this block. If the condition isn't true or is false or etc., run these other sets of actions. So. What I do is uh, is that if the selection is empty, so I, do, I haven't selected any text, the app will simply say, hey, I can't search for anything because you don't have any selected text. So it brings up a, a little message on the screen that says, error, uh, you don't have a selection. But if there is a selection, uh, it basically uses the built-in search web action, you, and there is a little search for parameter and you can just put in there uh, a variable that is the built-in selected text one. So the app will first get the selected text. It will see that there is some selection. 
So you can go on to the second block. If okay. there is a selection, it will search the web for that selection and it will open the browser and, and the workflow is done and, and you, you get your Google search for, for the selection in the editor and you, then you, go, you can go back to, to the editor and do whatever you want. And it's really uh, the, 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 the idea of using conditions in the workflow system is really powerful because you can add uh, a ton of flexibility to your workflows. So you can, you can create nested conditions. So you can check for multiple criteria, such as, is there a selection? Is there an open URL in the browser? Am I editing an empty document? And all sorts of other uh, condition checking that really helps in building workflows that are more advanced and lets you, you know, run specific groups of actions depending on what you're trying to do and what the current condition is. Well, it gets pretty powerful pretty quickly because yeah. <laughs> you can combine these things. And, but I guess my point would be just like using Automator or Keyboard Maestro, don't start out trying to make a conditional, you know, 20 step workflow. Yeah. A simple workflow of get the selected text and conduct a web search is something that you may find you use all the time. And and they've got like a, I know you do a Wikipedia search with it. I mean, there's just so yeah. much you can do with this stuff. Um, and uh, and it's, it's yeah, and really I mean, not it, that hard. Even if you don't add a, a condition, the app will simply see if there is an empty selection, it will search Google for an empty selection. So you'll just get to the Google homepage without any search result. So it's really just a way to, to make uh, the app nicer when, when it deals with empty text or maybe empty URLs, just to make sure that it is communicating what it, what it is doing properly. And maybe with, with, you can play a sound effect. So maybe if, you, if you're trying to, to do something with, with, an empty, with an empty line of text, you can play a little error sound. So it's just a way to make it nicer and to make it more user-friendly. But of course, you, you have to understand all this concept of conditions first. But instead of having to get an app, where the developers already decided which of those things are available to you and which of them yeah. show up on the toolbar with editorial, you create them yourself and you adjust the toolbar, you know, with this bookmarks. So yeah. it's a really nice combination. So edit, uh, so Federico who's writing um, long form articles for the web has one set of tools where David, who's writing legal stuff and maybe other things has an entirely different set of tools and if you're willing to invest some time in this and, you know, spend three bucks and buy Federico's book on top of the five you spent on the app, you're going to be able to make the right tools for you. And and that's why I think this is so promising. All right. So we talked about an easy one. Let's talk about a hard one. Let's let's talk about one of your more advanced workflows. How advanced? How much? <laughs> medium. Medium. Okay, medium, medium. Sorry, Katie. Um, she waved a hand at me again, I'm pretty sure. Pretty okay, well, we have a couple more sections, so let's talk about a medium one first. All okay, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a with a footnote one. So uh, I use footnotes in Markdown quite a bit because uh, I just like the idea, of, you know, bringing readers to to the bottom of a, of an article and making them see a little note that I added. So I wanted to to speed up the process of creating a footnote in in my editor because if you know, with with the normal setup, I would type the footnote marker manually with the keyboard, then scroll to the bottom of the document, paste the marker again, then type the, the text of the footnote, then scroll back to, to the original position. So that works, but 
it could be automated and it could be much faster and much better because I don't have to do any of the scrolling and copy and pasting, etc. So I have this workflow that the first thing it does is uh, it brings up uh, a little dialogue that says, give me uh, the name for the new footnote that you want to add. So it's based on the, the, the multi-markdown syntax. So you, you can type a unique reference name for the footnote. So say I want to add a footnote about, uh, I don't know, Silvio Berlusconi. I can just create a footnote that is called Silvio. And uh, after it asks for a name, it saves the variable, uh, it saves the, the footnote name to a variable. So it can be used later in the workflow. After that, uh, it basically checks the documents text for that footnotes name. So to avoid errors in Markdown. So if I have already added a work, uh, a footnote with, with that name, the workflow, the workflow will stop and say, you have to pick a different name because I have, a cre- I have already created a footnote with that reference. So if there is no error, the workflow goes on and it brings up, um, this is a really powerful action that I use a lot. It's called request text input which basically brings up a, a pop-up that lets me type text uh, separately from the, from the main editor. Yeah. So I can, type the, I can type the text of the footnote, and uh, after I'm done, there is a, a done blue button. I, I hit the button, and it saves the, the text of footnote to, to another variable, a separate one. And after this, it basically, the app automates the entire process of uh, scrolling to the bottom of the document, pasting the footnote name, uh, a colon, a space, and the footnote text. Then it goes back to the original position where I, where I started the workflow. It inserts the, the name of the footnote, the reference, and it's done. And uh, I didn't have to scroll. I didn't have to uh, type the colon manually. I just entered a footnote reference name. I typed the footnote and I hit done and, and the workflow took care of uh, scrolling and pacing and, and going back to the original position. And it's not, uh, it's not a short workflow because it's, it's got two conditional blocks, a bunch of actions. But once you, once you add it to, to editorial, it should work out of the box because it doesn't come with any Python scripting. It's just a set of built-in actions and, uh, and variables. So have you shared that one? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and is that in your review or where would people go it's find both, it? Yeah. This is, this one is both in the, in the review and, and the book, but yeah. it's not exclusive to the book. So you can find it on the website on Max Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about, how you get ideas for workflows, and then kind of where people can find workflows. Because you, you've alluded to you, you, some of them you share, you've got some exclusive ones on your book, and then there's this little community of uh, editorial coders popping up here and there. But before we do that, I, I do want to take a quick break and talk about our third sponsor for this episode, and that is Pixelmator. And Pixelmator is an easy-to-use, beautifully designed, full-featured image editor for the Mac. And version 2.2, which is new, is optimized for retina displays with full support for mountain lines. So, David, although I do not have one of those fancy pants retina displays yet, I know that Pixelmator looks gorgeous on your retina MacBook Pro. Indeed it does. Yes. Indeed. So Pixelmator is a custom Mac 
image editor. It will send images directly to iPhoto or Aperture. It will work directly with whatever photo management software that you're using on your Mac. It will open all standard file formats, including TIFFs, JPEGs, PNGs, PDF, and many other popular file formats, including Photoshop images and Photoshop images with layers. So if you've got some of those hanging around, Pixelmator will take care of them no problem. It works with iCloud, so you can share your documents in iCloud amongst all of your different uh, computers on your various Macs that have access to your iCloud account. And they include a lot of social features because we all like to be very social with these images that we're creating. So they can optimize your image specifically for Flickr, for Twitter, for Facebook. Or if you want to share your images to the web, you can export images specifically for the web. So if you want to post them on your blog or whatever you want to do with them, you can export images that have been particularly optimized for your web while keeping your original full quality image. And perhaps one of my favorite things about Pixelmator is there is so much that you can do with Pixelmator that they've got a website devoted to tutorials because I'm just scratching the surface with some of the things that I can do with Pixelmator. But every time I think that I want to go a little bit deeper, I just go over to pixelmator.com and click on the tutorials tab of their website. And they have... um, dozens of tutorials now. And every time I go, it seems that they're growing. So these include very basic tutorials, such as retouching an image or color correcting or resizing. And then they've got more advanced tutorials that show you things like, how can you remove a background image? How can you merge photos together? How can you blend photos together? Uh, If you want to do some of these really retro um, effects that, that you see other people doing, how do you achieve those effects? And it will walk you through all of the steps to do some of those more artistic things with your photos. And you get all of this, all the tutorials, all the features, all the customization, all the compatibility for 15 bucks from the Mac App Store, which means you can now install it on all of your Macs. And so what a great deal that is. Yeah, so for like half of the price of a book on for the app for the other guy, you can get the full app and all the tutorials. <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty much. I love this app, yeah. Pretty much. Anyway. Uh, and, and it has become, I will tell you, I, I have used some of the big photo editing applications. I've used some of the light versions, shall we say, of the big photo editing applications. And um, as I've upgraded my Mac and, you know, I've lost some of that. And I, I'm really not missing any of that. I'm I'm done with it. I'm very happy with Pixelmator. And it does everything that, that I need to do and, and, frankly, a whole lot more. I need to spend some more time on the on the tutorial website and learning how I can take full advantage of it. So you can pick it up in the Mac App Store, and you can find more information at Pixelmator.com. And thanks to the folks at Pixelmator for their support of the show. Uh, so, Federica, you, you're talking about all of these these workflows, and I just – what what gives you the idea – you know, we always talk about at what point does it make sense to to script or to edit something, and – what is kind of your thought process for, oh, I think maybe maybe this is something I can create a workflow for, or maybe maybe this is something I can I can look at automating? Is it just some, you know, when you do something 20 times, you realize maybe I should investigate how this is done? Or how do you kind of figure out what things are good candidates to make a workflow out of? Yeah, of course, that's the, that's the, the basic approach to, to creating workflows, just looking at yourself the way you're work, working with text and maybe there's a task that uh, you you don't like doing every day every time uh, so of course that's the basic uh, idea uh, i want to i want to speed this up i want to know how it works i want to know if i can do it better than the system and but i guess the uh, a great part is is uh, is the fact that 
my followers on Twitter and, and MacStories readers, they just can't stop coming up with ideas. So they send me all these, uh, uh, I, I, would, I would guess, workflow requests and, and, uh, and, and they're all like, you know, Federico, can, can you make an action for this? Can you make a workflow? Uh, because I, I can figure this out. I think it would be a great idea to maybe uh, integrate editorial with this web service. So I had a reader uh, uh, coming to me and saying, do you know if there's a way to, to reference uh, tweets that you have marked as uh, as favorite and uh, i didn't know how to work with the with the twitter api for developers so this reader prompted me to to investigate the the python api uh, for twitter and that's what i'm playing with right now so i guess that primarily i try to create workflows for me that work for you know for for the writing that i do on a daily basis and uh, but i would uh, absolutely. I, I like to thank all my readers that came, they came up with all the craziest ideas and some of them make sense for me as well. Some of them aren't really, uh, you know, for me, but uh, if I have 10 minutes or maybe a couple of hours just to uh, to play around with the editorial, I, I, can, I can create them. And um, I, w- I would also say that browsing through Pinboard and, and the public page for, for editorial and maybe seeing what others have come up with, it usually gives me the, the inspiration to maybe create a better version of, of an existing workflow. And I, and I guess that the, the, the stuff that Gabe has, do, has been doing at Mac Drifter has, has been a really great source of, of inspiration, especially to, to work with Markdown and HTML. He's been doing He's been doing great stuff there. So yeah, we really should have had Gabe on too. But when we get the more people we add to a Skype call, the crazier things get. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but Mac Drifter, uh, if you have interest in editorial, you really should. Well, you should just subscribe to Mac Drifter no matter what. If you're listening to this show, you'd you'd love the stuff Gabe publishes. But he in particular has taken up along with Federico the cause of of editorial, and both of them are just putting out tons of great content. I was looking at my Read It Later service and. I've got like 15 or 20 articles between the two of you about editorial that I haven't haven't read yet because you guys keep putting stuff out and I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, Gabe has been going crazy with all the tutorials. I I, I had to stop at one point because uh, I think my read, my readers were going to hate me for all that editorial coverage, but Gabe isn't stopping, so I admire the man for being so brave and going, you know, crazy with all the, the He's been doing really really good work with all the the workflows that he has. Yeah, I, I agree. It's some really great stuff. Um, let's talk about some more of your workflows. I, I, we don't need to go through how to build each one of them unless there's some piece of it that you think is clever and you want to tell us about. But, but you know, let's talk about some of the other things you have built and are doing with editorial. I would say they're a really simple one, but the one that really makes you save time is a, is a workflow that I have to, to bring up a, a dictionary definition for the word. So this is really similar to, to the one that I told you about uh, copying the current selection. Uh, instead of, you know, selecting a word and, and make sure that is the right word that you want to define and then bring up the, the define menu on iOS, you can just use editorial to, without selecting uh, any word, editorial has an action that is called uh, select closest word. So even if you are just, you know, at the end of a word or maybe uh, between the letters of a word. So uh, maybe you have you want to know a definition for I don't know kingdom. 
So maybe you have the cursor that, that is between the G and the D. You don't have to, to select the word. You can just put this action in a workflow and then put a second action, which is called show definition in dictionary. And when you tap the workflow, maybe it is in your bookmark bar, uh, editorial will use the, the standard iOS dictionary panel on the iPad, and it'll show you a definition for that word without you having to select the word at all. You can just use the, the workflow and, and it's done. So I think that that's really a nice example of the way that editorial is capable of accessing native iOS features. So and then like if, if I'm typing yeah. and I'm in the, and I've got the cursor in the middle of the word kingdom, I don't have to tap and hold the word to get the word selected and then go to the dictionary. I just literally yeah. go up to my bookmarks bar and press the icon for my dictionary workflow and I get the definition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And I, and I think that um, another one, maybe, uh, of course, it's a little more advanced. But one, I use this one every day. Um, you can use the tutorial to count the occurrences of a specific word in the document. And I then, like that one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one is exclusive to the book. And so you maybe you, are, you you know for me it happens every time when I, when I'm talking about an app or a website and maybe I got the name of the app wrong every time and so uh, if I figure out that I, that I, that I had the name wrong uh, I can use this workflow to to type the the name in in a little box that comes up and um, editorial will then scan the document for every occurrence of that word. And it'll tell me with, with another little window, uh, with little pop-up on the screen, it'll tell me you have X occurrences for this word in the document. So it doesn't let me replace every occurrence because I have a separate workflow for that. But it does tell me how many times uh, I got that wrong and how many times it simply appears in a document. And, and, a, and, a, and a different take on, on the same idea is the... Is the workflow to count uh, the links and the footnotes in a document. So if I just want to to run some stats on on a, on, a, on a review, which which is what I what I needed to do for my for my editorial review, I wanted to to count how many footnotes and how many links I had in the, in the final piece. I have this workflow that uses a regular expression. So of course it's really really advanced because this is editorial's more you know complex fun- functionality. Yes. It uses a regular expression to to match the the inline links, the reference links, and the footnotes in the document, and it, and it, and it, and it brings up a, a little alert box saying you have I don't know a hundred links, and um, that's really all sorts of stuff you, that you can do. And uh, of course, I, I use the the selection one that I, that I told you before. I have a workflow to to insert an inline link from from the current. Uh, web page in the browser so if i select some text and instead of having to you know to enclose it manually inside square brackets and then type in a parenthesis and then copying the url typing double quotes pasting the website's name and all the process that you have to do for for markdown links uh, i can just use the the workflow to take the text that is currently selected and turn it with with a you know with a with a tap of button in in the bookmarks bar yeah. into into markdown link and th- this is where i see katie's idea about this being a keyboard maestro on the ipad because i was able to create 
a workflow that completely replaced a keyboard maestro workflow on my Mac that did the exact same kind of markdown treatment. And and it wasn't that hard. I mean, people listening to this could definitely pick up on this stuff if that's something they do often. It, you know, it's just a really powerful app, and it, it's refreshing to see. And this kind of goes to the bigger theme of both your book and your and your review that automation is more possible than we thought. That, that that's yeah, my takeaway. Yeah, and, and that's really the the conclusion that that I have on on the book and the and the review, and it's that. When I think about the the first iPad that I got three years ago, and you know it was it was really uh, amazing and and it was great and and I remember the first time I used Safari and the Notes app, but it was clearly not as powerful as a Mac, and uh, and uh, so I guess that the the big idea here is that in the past three years, developers like Ole and and, and, and others they have came up, you know they came up with all sorts of crazy ideas that they used the, the, the simplicity of iOS, not as a limitation, but as a starting point to, to create these focused and, and simple writing experiences that are actually powerful because iOS has changed so much in the past, in the past three years. And so you can, do, you can do things like letting users create their own workflows with actions. You can do things like enabling Python scripts inside an app. You can do things like URL schemes, so allowing users to, to, to automate the communication between apps. And this wasn't really possible. And of course, it's not as powerful as a Mac yet, but I guess that in a way, the fact that iOS hasn't changed its uh, underlying simplicity as an advantage, because when I'm on my Mac and I'm and I'm writing maybe in Byword or Sublime Text, I get all these windows and I get uh, you know stuff in the menu bar. I get notifications. Whereas on the iPad, it isn't as powerful as the Mac, but it's really more more focused and and, and it's simpler. And it, and it, and I find myself being more efficient when I, when I write on the iPad than when I'm at my Mac. And and so that's the 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 last you know paragraph of my book. It says that. It's a it's a little story of the time when when I was in my car. My my mother was driving back from from the hospital, and I needed to 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 publish a, po- a post on Mac stories because uh, some news came up. I can't remember remember what it was, uh, but just naturally, uh, it was uh, maybe a couple of months into the editorial beta testing. Uh, I just wrote an article and and published it, and and then I I realized that I, that I just did. You know, I just was able to 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 create a post on my website from from the from a moving car with an iPad Mini, and and, and it seemed crazy. Yeah, I, I've and had I, similar experiences. You know, and, when, and and I was just uh, what what did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so it, it feels like you're living the future, in the future. Yeah, yeah, but it's here, and that's the that's the the thing that that strikes me as as really magical. I would say because. When you think about it, there's really complex technology going on here with Python and actions and and text editing. But you know, if you have the time and patience to to create your own setup, you you can do amazing things. And yeah, there's some really smart people who who keep telling me that there's no way something like an iPad will ever replace their computer. And the two things I think they're they're forgetting about is number one is the advances 
that are going to be made in the software. Developers are, this is only a three-year-old platform on the iPad, and developers are are really in the beginning stages. But as you can see with something like editorial, this stuff is advancing quickly. And the second thing is advances in hardware. I mean, it's not a joke. Now we're, we're have a 64 bit iOS device. That's going to release this week. Yeah. And actually will be, will already have released when this show comes out. Um, so this stuff is the, the hardware is getting more powerful. The software is getting more powerful and Apple's holding the line on trying to keep it simple. So, you know, people who don't want to learn Python can still use it. And I think that, you know, we're going to see some pretty amazing stuff in the next few years with this. Um, we're going to do our last uh, sponsor read, but afterwards, I want to go through and find out where this all shakes out. Katie and, and Federico, I'd like to talk about what what are the text editors that we're using now that we've had this little quiet revolution and, and what capacity are we using them? Uh, but Katie, why don't we do the last uh, ad sponsor first? Yeah, our final sponsor for this episode is HostGator, and you can find them over at HostGator.com. And HostGator is a premier web hosting provider. So if you're looking to start a website, HostGator is someone that you may want to check out. They can get you started with monthly hosting plans. And they've got one-click installs of t- and tons of other features that can help you getting up and started, you know, pretty easy. You don't have to custom install because they've got all these things that you can just click a button and boom, it's it's up and ready to go. If you're a more advanced user or a business uh, HostGator can take care of you with reseller plans. They have VPS and dedicated servers, depending on your needs, and they guarantee a 99.9% uptime, no matter what your size or what your needs are. So if you're blogging with WordPress, you're going to love, again, their one-click install, optimized specifically for their hosting platform. And when you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and unlimited bandwidth, so you don't have to worry about bouncing up against any caps. They have free site builder tools that are really easy to use. And if you ever find yourself needing help, they have 24-7 support to help make sure that everything gets up and running smoothly. So if that sounds like something that would be interesting to you, or if you're just fed up with your current provider and you want to give someone else a try, head on over to HostGator.com to learn more. And when you decide to purchase, we have a coupon code for that too. So enter the coupon code POWER9. That's POWER9 because this is the month of September. And you can get 30% off everything at HostGator.com. So thanks to HostGator for their continued support of Mac Power users. So let's talk about, you know, where we stand now. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and go first. Um, I can tell you that uh, if I made a list of all the elements in my dream text editor on the iPad, uh, editorial checks off quite a few of those. It's fast. It's got easy file navigation, excellent markdown support. Um, the automation stuff is something I wouldn't have put on my list cause I wouldn't have thought possible. And, and now it is. So as you can tell from the show, I'm a big fan of what editorial is doing. Although it's not the only app I'm using. I've got this long history with Byword. I've been using Byword, I think since it launched and uh, another alternative to Byword is I would say IA writer. Uh, which is kind of a similar vein, but it's an app that's, it doesn't have as many features, but it does have excellent markdown support. And then it syncs through iCloud through all my devices. And they were one of the first to do it when iCloud first kind of came out. And I've heard occasionally from listeners who write me and say they've had trouble with both uh, these apps having something go wrong in iCloud, but I can tell you, I've never had anything go wrong in iCloud with them. And maybe I'm just living a blessed life, but the, the, the point is, I've got little 
bits of half written briefs and Max Barkey articles and things for the day job that are in a collection of, you know, five to 15 byword um, documents at any one time. And I love, love, love the fact that I can be in line somewhere and open up my iPhone and, and proofread it or make a few additions to it. I can be on my couch and open it up on my iPad or on my Mac and just continue and not think about it. And uh, as much as I like editorial, it's not that multi-platform, um, always present device yet. And maybe it never will be. I don't know. But that is a that is a feature that is real important to me. In some ways, it's even more important to me than automation. So I'm starting to transition my longer form writing pieces over to editorial, and I'm starting to build my own workflow library. But it hasn't become the full-time thing that... Um, that I think it has for, for Federico. And then the other thing is for my NVAlt library, you know, NVAlt is my Mac app that I keep all these little tech notes in. I have Write Room, and I know there's other ones that do it as well, but Write Room, I just like the combination of the, the look of the app and the speed of the app is my syncing library for, for NVAlt, and I have that as well. So I'm using several of these right now. How about you, Katie? Where do you fit on this? Well, right now, primarily, I'm using ByWord, and I, you know, even though I kind of asked you to defend your your point a little while ago, I will tell you the reason that I'm using ByWord is because it's so easy to go back and forth between the Mac app and the iOS app, and yeah. I find myself doing that all the time. I'll start something on my Mac at the office, maybe I'll work on it on my uh, iPhone or iPad or tweak something here or there, and I may come home at night and I may finish it up there, so... Um, and yeah, just for simple text things and syncing, um, Byword is is great, and that's that's what I'm using. And then I, usually I what I'll do is I'll copy and paste the text out of Byword and and send it off to somebody to to put in final form for me. Um, you know, editorial checks off a lot of those boxes, and um, it it doesn't yet check off the I can work on it on my office on my Mac, I can work on it on my home on my Mac, and then I can work on it on the go on the Mac box. But it, you know, again, I I agree with with your assessment that they've they've tackled the big problem first and we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Another real important feature to me is good sharing support because I end up sending these files to other people and to other places quite frequently. And I just with a click of the button want to be able to email off a simple text file to somebody or and I have yet to see this in many of these text editors um, be able to collaborate with somebody pretty easily and have them send that file back to me. And that is where I see editorial with at least its versioning feature um, kind of becoming a bit of a collaboration tool, although it doesn't have track changes or anything like that. You know, I could send off a version to somebody, they could make changes and send it back to me and and you could fairly easily see what the what the changes are. Well, an interesting follow-up there is my current uh, field guide is being written exclusively in pages. Right. And uh, and I do really really miss Scrivener by the but the um but because I'm working with my editor quite often on this book it it really is convenient that you know we have that track changes ability and there's really no text editor scratching that itch yet. Right. Um, I'm seriously considering doing some pretty, I've got some long projects I've agreed to write and I think I'm going to be doing them in editorial, um, even with those limitations. I mean, Federico, I, I suspect you're doing all this through Dropbox and I've been experimenting with it and it's working pretty solid for me through Dropbox. Have you had any syncing conflicts or anything? No, not at all. Not even on, on 3G which can be spotty in my town. Now, so, uh, it's been really reliable for me. Yeah. And now and, do and you 
And to to add on to that, I will tell you, although I say I, I really, I really, really, really like iCloud Sync because it's just boom, it's there. But I will tell you, it has been spotty for me. I've had to do this magic incantation thing in the terminal to totally reset iCloud Sync mm, several times, I would say, because I get that constant waiting cloud icon. And I don't know what the deal is. Maybe just a total nuke and pave of this machine I may do at some point when uh, – uh, when Mavericks comes out, but but I, I will say I've never had those problems with Dropbox, so maybe I do need to move over to Dropbox more frequently, but iCloud is just so easy. Now, Federico, do you work on these things at all on your Mac, or are they just always all done on the iPad? Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm lucky enough to to be able to to work from uh, from my iPad these days. Without, without, I'm not forced to use a Mac. Yeah. The only times when I when I need to 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 open my Mac are maybe when I when I need to upload some files with CyberDoc to to the CDN that we use for Mac stories, and for some reason nobody has made uh, a good CDN client for for the iPad, and I, I have no idea why. And so I guess that there are a few tasks that I need to do on my Mac, but most of the time I'm I'm just happy from my iPad from my iPad and. Um, I and guess my and I could see that if I if I was just writing on the iPad, I don't think I'd do anything but editorial. Yeah, it, and I mean, I have editorial for for you know for writing, and and I use uh, the excellent uh, drafts to to take quick notes, especially on the iPhone. Uh, maybe I have an idea that I want to save for for a future article. I just you know open drafts and and type the idea and and save it to to my Evernote account. Yeah, so and that, the, that's something we had people write in us about when they heard we were going to do the show. They said, "Well, what do you, where do you draw the line between editorial and drafts?" And and I see them as very different applications. I yeah. mean, dr- drafts for me is an app that I can start inputting text without doing anything but pressing the icon of the app and just start, and then worry about it later. It's what I deal with for my scatterbrained mind. Whereas Editorial is much more, you know, full featured. It's a real sit down and write app for me. Yeah, for me, for me uh, as well. Editorial is uh, used only to to write articles for the site, whether they are long form articles or uh, linked items. Uh, I don't use editorial for things like uh, the current grocery list or maybe things that I need to remember from my vacation or phone numbers or quick bits of text that I that I use drafts and Evernote for. So these days when I when I when I have an idea when I want to to remember a website that I need to check out later, I just use drafts uh, and and you know and Evernote actions in drafts to to save ideas. Editorial is configured for with a with a single Dropbox folder in my account and uh, where I have all my articles that I'm working on and I use editorial only for that. And for of course for, of course for uh, research, uh, when I when I'm when I'm researching topics for for an article, uh, I create a text file with with the name of usually it's an app with the name of the app that I'm researching for, and and I just use the editorial browser to to drop links in the document. But otherwise, I don't use editorial for anything other than them writing and sitting down and, and using workflows to 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 speed up the the editing process. 
Well, I'll tell you something. It, it is truly a remarkable app. There's a reason why everybody's talking about it and why we gave it a whole show. Um, Oli did some some really revolutionary work here. And even if you don't see it as something you're going to use every day, I almost think it's worth, you know, the price of a cup of coffee, five bucks to to go try it out and see where the future of this stuff is and how far we can go with automation. Because I, I think this is really something that we're going to be seeing more of as we go into the future. And I'm uh, appreciative of you, Federico, for giving us your time to come in and share all this with us. You know, it's remarkable to me. I was listening to you talk how this is uh, English is your second or maybe third language and you're more articulate than I am, which is just kind of sad. <laughs> I don't know. I just know two languages and <laughs> because the first one is Italian and the second one, I, I like to think that is English. Uh, I studied Spanish in, in middle schools, but I realized that when I went to Spain five years ago, I couldn't say a word of, of Spanish. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> What do you no. think, Katie? I, I, using... can't, I can't wait to do our uh, our workflow show with Federico. All right. So we're, we're going to put that on the calendar. It, it's going on the list. We're going to get you back, and we're going to talk about oh. stuff other than Python scripting and uh, advanced text editing. <laughs> I, I can't wait, especially with all these apps that, that are coming out with iOS 7. I think we're going we're gonna to have some, you know, some pretty good stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I've both of us we were talking before the show. We've got all this stuff under our hat we're not allowed to say anything about. And yeah, it's very exciting. In fact, this show, Katie, when does this show air? It's, it's a week. Uh, this show comes out after iOS 7 releases. Yes, so I'll it does. Just say, I'll just say that I really like the new OmniFocus for the iPhone. It feels kind of oh, good yeah. saying that right now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think we're going to skip feedback. We've probably gone long enough for everybody. Um, go go check out editorial and and also go check out Mac Stories. And while you're at it, read the the what I call the epic editorial review at Mac Stories. Maybe the one over at Mac Drifter too. And go spend a few bucks and buy Federico's book on editorial and iOS automation. Um, like Katie said, it's a great read and it, it will bring you a lot farther down the road on these advanced workflows. Yeah. Where else I, can people find you, Federico? I am uh, Vitici on Twitter. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And sometimes I post links on Tici.org and sometimes on uh, app.net. But really, I'm, I'm on Twitter most of the day. Yeah, so, it's fun following I guess the, you on Twitter. I enjoy yeah. your, your contributions. And you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Katie Floyd. David's at Max Sparky. The show is Mac Power Users. Um, and you can also email us feedback about this show if you or any other show if you want to. You can send those to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And um, you can check us out at MacPowerUsers.com or 5x5.tv slash MPU, where you get all of the show notes, thanks to all of our help. Yeah, thanks, JT. Um, and we'll have links to all of the things that we talked about in this in these uh, show notes, so be sure you check those out. Lastly, thanks to our sponsors, Drobo, HostGator, Pixelmator, and Squarespace. Without them, the show wouldn't be possible. And I do have one quick announcement. I've been been make, uh, mention, uh, wanting to mention this on the last couple of episodes, but I've forgotten, so I stuck it in the show notes. And uh, that is, I will be speaking at MiloFest uh, this coming October, and that is uh, the Max in Law Office Festival down at the Disney Yacht Club. So if you are an attorney or interested in Max in Law Offices, uh, that's going to be October 24th through 26th. 
Uh, and it's at Disney World, which is a lot better than Disneyland. So you can check it out at milofest.com. Oh, now, now you've done it. <laughs> now you have done it. Oh, did I sneak that in there? Okay. Well, let me just say that um, the Milo group, Max and Lofts, they have a Google group. It was started by Ben Stevens several years ago. A lot of these guys are friends of mine. They're the nicest attorneys I've ever met, all of them as a whole. And so I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun if I had time. I wish I could go. But yeah, go check it out and meet some really great people at the same time. Good luck with that, Katie. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Thank you. And thank you, Federico, for stopping by. And we will have you back. And unless, of course, I catch my wife listening to your podcast without me, then <laughs> I, I'm going to have to cut you out of my life at that point. <laughs> That's when you have to start getting worried. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, seriously, thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm really a big fan of the show. And, and it's just another, you know, kind of a dream come true because I, I spent years you know, catching up to, to your archival episodes and it's really good to be here. Thanks again. Oh, that's so well, cool. thank, you. thank you. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next time.